Welcome to The Pen and the Yod. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anche Emmet Synagogue in Chicago talks with author Jonathan Eig about this week's Torah portion of Devarim. Equity begins with brotherhood. So I'm going to give you a, a scenario. You are a, the head of a private school, and this time coming out of COVID is going to put even more pressure on you to be a good fundraiser and to ensure that your funders are happy because the school is teetering, as many um, liberal arts institutions are. Okay. All right. And one and one of your students is being accused in something scandalous. It could be, you know, a sexual impropriety. It could be um, a physical abuse. It could be something of violence. But you have to make a decision because this particular student happens to be the son or daughter of one of your largest donors. How do you handle that situation? What do you do about it? Knowing full well that if another student who uh, didn't have the same financial uh, abilities or the family didn't have the same financial abilities would be treated very differently in a summary, uh, you know, justice would be uh, would be executed on this on this student. How do you manage that in real life? <laughs> That's why I don't have <laughs> your job where I have to be diplomatic and manage financial interests. I I, I really uh, feel for people who have those kinds of pressures. But man, you if you're an educator, you're running a school, you, you've got to think about what lessons you're teaching by giving preferential treatment. And you know that's preferential treatment. If you're going to treat one student differently than another when it comes to disciplinary issue. But fact is, it happens all the time. That kind of bias is inherent in our society, not just in education. It's a big, big problem. And it and it creates this, these levels of inequality. It just it, it accentuates um, the issues of inequality that are you know, pervasive. It does. And it also, I think, encourages injustice. These kinds of ideas seep into the upper echelons of every institution. What will the impact be on the larger whole if this scandal gets out? We're going to put the whole institution in jeopardy. Like, wake up. You know, this is what you hear from people. This is the real world we're talking about. This is how things really work. And I think it's a very challenging issue especially in our day, especially in our day, because it's more likely than not that these kinds of things will come out and the fallout is going to be that much worse. And I bring this up because as we begin the book of Deuteronomy, Moses makes a statement and he says, I charged your magistrates saying, Shema ben Achichem, the way it's translated as your fellow Israelites, and decide justly between any person and their fellow Israelite or stranger. But what's interesting about it, he goes on to say, you shall not be partial in judgment. Hear out low and high alike. So that the commandment is precisely this, the whole idea of, of being impartial, of justice having, you know, covering their eyes so that they can't see. In other words, that real justice has to be impartial in, in the best sense of the word easier said than done. But what's so interesting about the way that it's it's said here is achichem. It doesn't say your citizen. It says your brother, your sibling, right? Somebody who is close to you. You have to see each person as your brother, not 
oh, this is the Maher here. This is the one with, you know, oh, you know, they're going to make this big gift. What are we going to do? As opposed to saying, we need to just be impartial. And I think that this is a, this is a, this is a, obviously a problem from the very beginning of time. How do we do that, Jonathan? How do we change the dynamic, especially in a society where the inequalities are becoming more and more clear, not just based upon your the size of your bank account, but also the color of your skin? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a massive question, and it, it doesn't seem to be getting better, in part because we seem to be growing more and more prejudiced and divided all the time. You know, we find new ways to divide ourselves. It's not just income. It's not just race. It's not just ethnicity. It's not just gender. We're, we're constantly inventing new ways to, to put ourselves into, into categories and then to find a way to, to look down on the people who are in other categories. So many of these categories are, are entirely man-made. It's almost, almost makes you think that like we, we want to do this, that there's a, there's a piece of our brain that needs to create the other and to feel superior to that other. How do you get past that if you're actually going to try to create some kind of um, system of equal justice and all the stuff that you're talking about that's, the Torah commands us? I'm going to turn this around on you for a second, and I'm going to ask it this way. Are things actually worse, or are we simply seeing injustice in ways that we wouldn't normally have because of technology. In other words, the fact that you can take a video and show some sort of uh, violence being perpetrated by a particular policeman at a, at a moment in time, right, or have the audio of something. We have the technological ability to do that. You also have the technology to do all kinds of investigations. Just recently, the tax returns of some of the largest, most wealthy people in the country talk about injustice, right? And they're barely paying any taxes. And so I can hear people in the background saying, well, no surprise there. But the reality is, is that what we may be seeing is that there's not an uptick in racism, but what we're really seeing is just how deep how deep-seated the problem is and how used to and, and how, how we've been looking away from it. And when you can't look away from it, that's when, we, that's when real change can happen. I certainly agree with you. And there's probably no point in arguing whether it's worse um, because it's bad. And that's, that's all that matters, right? Are we more racist as a society now than we were, you know, 100 years ago when, when we were still deep in the Jim Crow age? Are we worse than, than we were during slavery? I don't think those questions really matter. The issue is that we still have a, a whole lot of work to do. And you're right that shining a light on it and making it visible really helps. I, I don't think we would have had the the civil rights movement and the Voting Rights Act, if not for the television cameras being in Birmingham when the dogs attacked the protesters. And, and we wouldn't have the, the power of the Black Lives Movement right now if, uh, you know, Darnella Frazier hadn't been pointing her iPhone at the police when they were killing George Floyd. So paying witness and being a witness and being part of a community, be feeling like we are part of this society that is doing these terrible things and, and we can see them for ourselves, that has the power to make change and to, and to unite us in a way, I guess. I couldn't agree more. I, I was thinking as you were talking about a phrase that was very prevalent in the black community, which is get along. Get along means you gotta just swallow your pride and just, uh, do what you got to do. I think that that phrase is born out of a society where the sins of the society largely went unseen or unheeded. But in our world, if you don't have to do that anymore, you don't have to get along, 
but actually you can demand justice because you can show this. What we're really challenging our society to do is to see each other as our brothers or sisters. In the same way that we would want to see equity for our own family members, what does it mean to be a citizen? You know, what does it mean that all of us are joined together in this kind of uh, brotherhood of America? That's the question on the table. I actually do believe we have the opportunity to become a more just and equitable society and to understand what the boundaries are. What's acceptable behavior? What isn't acceptable? That is a powerful thing. And I guess from a religious standpoint, the tendency of the Torah is to say, well, even if other people don't see, God will see, and there will be justice at the end. And so people don't always, I, I know this will be a shock to you, but people you know, don't always think that God is watching. But when there are cameras everywhere, where you leave electronic fingerprints everywhere, that's a very different story that you can't hide it. There's no secret place anymore. The truth will eventually come out. And I think that that's a significant change in our society. It is. And I wonder, though, without the moral and religious component, whether it's enough to change behavior, because um, we've been seeing uh, videos of police brutality for over a decade now, and it doesn't seem to be changing that much behavior, even now with body cams um, and the requirement that those body cams stay on. We still don't see much of a change in behavior since television cameras began filming these protests. Uh, schools haven't really segregated, uh, haven't really integrated. Uh, incarceration rates uh, are, are only more skewed. Inequality is even more skewed. So um, is, is, are the cameras enough to do it? Or do you need that moral component, that call to action that we get from the Torah? There's two responses. Number one is that we don't know what the effect of this is going to be on the next generation. In other words, our generation grew up watching these terrible films, black and white moments when people were being really subjugated you know, or Vietnam or anything else like that. It affected another next generation in terms of their understanding of government and war. How will these ideas, how will the, the films that we're seeing, the George Floyds and all the rest, how will that affect us? How will that affect the next generation as they come up? I think that the effect is actually going to be much more profound. And I think that's how society functions. And we are casting a very harsh light on ourselves. But the reality is, is that we're really not sure of the impact. But if we want the impact to be sustained, then I do believe that we have to kind of look at our values and look at our religious values. This is why studying an ancient text and looking at the word achicham, your brother, can be such a powerful issue. Because the question, when you distill this entire conversation, and it goes back to that original question, some are more equal than others. And if you, and if you make that statement, then you are really basically saying that not everyone is your brother. Because that calls on us to treat each other with equity. There's a powerful lesson that comes right from the Torah, right from Moses' mouth. Yeah, it's really powerful. Uh, the, these rules are not meant for just the Israelites. These rules are not meant for only the people who are reading the Torah. They're meant to apply to everybody we interact with. There's a huge lesson there if we, if we learn it, if we listen to it, because we seem to be in the business of creating these artificial categories that, that allow us to feel better about mistreating folks because they're not the same as us. There's no question.
the proof of the pudding or the ultimate result will be in part with the laws themselves of the land. The real test of a society, and this is what I think Moses is pointing to, is not only the judge that will judge justly, not only the college administrator that will judge justly, but the individual who will also not only practice that in their own lives, but also be a voice to say, no, this isn't okay, to really be the one who rings the bell, the one who calls out, even though it's going to cost them, even though it's going to have an impact on them. Those are the real issues. That's going to be the college president that says, no, I can't do this and lose their job over it. It's going to be the business that says, no, we're not going to use a discriminatory policy and we're not going to look the other way, even though other businesses do the same thing. It goes on and on and on. But but it all starts when one person's willing to raise their voice and then another and then another. And they're doing it because their values are being upended. These challenges, these moments of potential peril are also moments where we can teach. Um, and it's so fraught now on, in colleges and schools, not just colleges, schools everywhere. These issues are really coming to the fore. They're being discussed sometimes ad nauseum, but that, those are opportunities to teach. And as you said, maybe the next generation will do better with these issues than we did. Well, let's hope for that <laughs> because we need help. Yes. We do need some help in this area. We do. All right. Well, thank you very much, Jonathan.